it's not just amazing times that we're in, but um, it's an amazing spirit and presence of God. Like it's, uh, it's incredible to be at a place that things are happening the way they're happening here. And I don't know if you um, maybe just think through and recognize fully, and I know we're summer and sometimes the people that are here are not quite as much, but God is doing stuff. And it's, it's just great. Like, I mean, it's hard to imagine that we just paid off our church mortgage, like debt-free. Isn't that amazing? And then, yeah, which I don't necessarily want to hold that on a pedestal, but it's just a display of God's movement. We, we bought a got the air conditioner replaced in here. We, um, miracles are happening in our church. I don't know if you understand. Michael wasn't able to fully, uh, thank you, Bruno. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> um, if you fully understand the, it, it's, um, people get stage fright and that's normal, but he had an anxiety like, a, which is a little bit different than stage fright. God healed him of that. And uh, that's, it's just amazing that it's, that's a miracle. As much as somebody being healed with a, a broken limb or, you know, it's just, it's just a different kind of healing. But it's amazing that God is doing that in our midst. And we're just, it's, it's awesome. I love it. Um, I do want to point out, I don't know if you noticed, we got the banner up finally. Um, we had it up once upon a time for Faith Promise, and uh, it blew down. <laughs> so um, I, you know, the interns, I said, hey, you guys do a better job than I did, and, and hopefully we'll see if they, if they did. But uh, this is World Mission Broadcast uh, time. Uh, you might have seen that. Uh, World Mission Broadcast is uh, one of my favorite because I feel like it's not only is it around the world um, that we're able to broadcast the good news of Jesus through all different medium. It's not just radio, it's uh, internet and TV and whichever way, but um, we can put, and I know they do this, it's amazing, they put like around China where it's illegal for us to be in there, they'll put radio frequencies, uh, I mean um, broadcasters there and like broadcast into China and there's testimonies of people being saved in countries that it's illegal to spread the, the word. So that's one of the things we do. $4 a minute. Is that, that's right, Kay, right? $4 a minute is all it costs. So that's what, you know, we're, that's this month we're raising money for that. But uh, it's, it's just great. And also, it's a very special week because you have all joined me on my birth week. Like this is, it's such a, an honor that you would come and be here and sell. Actually, you're here for church. But still, it's birth week and it's awesome. Tuesday the 12th. Um, I think that eventually everybody will remember the 12th as my birthday. And uh, that being said, if you guys will humor me, one thing, this is entirely out of uh, character here, but one of my friends did not believe that I would take a selfie with you in the background. Is that okay if I do that? I'm, I'm going to do that now, and then uh, I'm going to send that to them and tell them, hey, yeah, if you were here in person, then you would have seen that I did that um, with them, but we'll see what happens with that. I hope they don't start texting me now in the middle of uh, the thing here. I'll put that on, on do not disturb, <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be here with you guys, man. I love you guys. I love what God's doing. I love when the spirit is moving and I love that he is bringing revival to us, which is not a, uh, I'm gonna, I was going to say it's not the extraordinary feelings. It can be, but it's also just a revived spirit. 
his spirit within us. It's, it's amazing. Uh, all right, so today we're going to keep talking about um, this idea of spiritual formation, which I do want to let you guys know um, in two weeks, we're going to have a very special guest speaker. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, we're honored to have somebody of this caliber, but uh, Dr. Jerry Porter is going to be special speaker in a couple of weeks. So I would encourage you, if ever you've thought, man, I really want to hear a good preacher, then come then. Because he's not only is he a great speaker, but a terrific man of God. He's going to be speaking on the 24th, and I, I'm uh, excited for that. Have you ever noticed how much our lives are governed by control? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What I mean is it seems that we're constantly trying to control something or some situation. We're trying to grasp control. We're trying to, maybe for some of you, it's keeping somebody else from controlling that situation. I know that sometimes when it comes to voting politically, we're like, I don't really like this guy, but I don't really like this person either. And so I'm going to vote just to keep them from having control. You ever do that? Or I, I don't know, maybe that's just me. I've even heard people say um, that they don't want the control. They just don't want you to have it. <laughs> so I don't know. Just me? Okay, well, we'll keep going. If you don't believe it, let me give you some examples uh, or some illustrations, I guess, from my own life. When I was a child, this is a great story. Oh, man, this just shows the depravity of humankind right here. Um, I was a child. I was about 10 years old, uh, so about the age of my son, Caden. I was about 10 years old, and I have a little sister. She's five years younger, so she was about five. Now, we were given, in my notes, I call them stuffies. I, I don't think they were called stuffies. I couldn't remember. Stuffed animals. They were little tiny stuffed animals. I think stuffy is a, an entirely different thing, but um, I just, I've heard stuffy somewhere, right? I'm not going crazy. I've heard that word. So these stuffies are about, they, they predated Beanie Babies. You guys remember Beanie Babies? They became all the rage. I think these were like the precursor for the Beanie Baby. And uh, they're about the same size, just a tiny little stuffed animal. And what does a 10-year-old boy need a stuffed animal for? I don't. I didn't. But I got some. And I got five, and my little bratty sister got five. So we both had five little tiny stuffed animals. Well, somehow along the way, a couple of my stuffed animals ended up in her pile in her room. And I was like, no, this is not happening. I told mom, mom, Sarah, that's her name, Sarah, my sister, Sarah has taken my little stuffed animals. And she said, okay, okay, here's what we'll do. Just put your initials on the stuffed animals. And I was like, on the, on the tag of the stuffed animals. Okay, that'll work. That's no problem. We can do that. So I go to get some stuffed animals, and all of a sudden, she's got seven with her initials on them. I've got three with my initials. And I'm like, Mom, your plan did not work. And she's like, well, her initials are on them. But that does not mean that's where they started. She had five. I had five. So I came up with a brilliant idea. I thought, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Got my little Sharpie marker, and I took my two back from her because fair is fair. She gets five, I get five. I'm not trying to take hers too. And I put the, uh, I took the, the, the marker, and I just made the entire tag black. <laughs> and I said, Mom, so what I did was I just went ahead and colored my tag black. That way we know which one's mine. Hers have her initials, mine is all black. <laughs> uh, Mom saw through that, and she was like, uh, this isn't going to work. Give all the stuffed animals to your sister. <sighs> It was a disaster. Like, it really, really backfired. But the point is, I just wanted to control the situation, right? I didn't, I didn't want her to have control. I didn't want mom to have control. 
I wanted to control it. It was my control. That they were my stuffed animals. What's fair is fair. What's right is right. Driving is another one of those things that we like to have control over, right? Everybody wants to have control over driving. It's, it's just something that, that we have a hard time giving up control. Ask Teresa, my wife. You know, she drives vicariously through me. Either she's driving or she's driving through me. Like, I don't, when we're together, I really don't get to drive. It's, it's she's driving through me or I'm driving. And, you know, don't park somewhere. Oh, you're too close to that person. That's too close to the curb. You're too Why did you park so far away from the door? Why did you park so close to the door? What did you, you know, I'm, I was just, I was thinking the other day and I was, and, and I, I've thought I was the problem. But then I realized when she's not with me, I'm never mad at myself for where I parked. Like, I park just fine. I park here, and that's a good parking spot. But when I'm with her, for some reason, it's never the right one. I, don't, I can't figure it out. It's all about control, right? It's all about control. If I had said, in starting this, this idea, this talk on spiritual formation, that spiritual formation was the process of controlling ourselves, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. Just full on, it's the process of controlling ourselves. See, the difference between conforming ourselves and being conformed is really what's at stake in spiritual formation. It is the vital issue of control. Who has control? Us or God? This issue is almost pervasive. Just think about it. as. Now, I know nobody here really testified to having a desire for control, but think about some of these things. Uh, for kids, can I control what my parents do for me? Do I have control over that? Can I control what game I play with my friends? Can we as adults control situations or others to achieve our agenda? Can we control it? Can I control my life? Can I create such a security structure around me that I will be able to control life's adversities? Right? Think about it. I, I'm it's not, I was going to say I'm thinking about retirement. It's a while away for me. But I'm thinking about my future retirement. And I'm trying to create, I'm trying to control that whole dynamic, right? How do I create a security structure around me? So let's bring this a little closer to home. And I hope you understand that these are conversations that we've had in our family, what I'm about to say. And we've had conversations with our kids. Cerise and I have had conversations. I'm sure many of you have had conversations about these things and with uh, what has happened with Roe v. Wade. And I'll just say it's taken me a little while to process how I would say what I would say. I want to affirm that we believe in um, the right to life. Like we as a, as a church, I as a person. Um, but I think one thing that happens for a Christian person is that we push so hardly, or it gets pushed so hardly, that that idea and that thought that we're not, we want to push that agenda, and I think maybe it is an issue of control, because we're not quite willing to say, well, not only are we um, pro-life, but now, because I'm making that commitment, I'm going to go and enter into the fostering or adopting place. Like we want, you understand what I'm saying? Like I think as Christians, as we push for, for life, then we need to be able to push for life through the gamut. If we're going to say we want that, then we have to be willing to make the sacrifice when it comes up that 
that unwanted child is birthed and now it's ours to, to raise. Like we have to think about that. Because I, I wonder if we bring this a little closer to home, should a woman's control over her life allow her to control an unborn child's life? It's a huge discussion, right? Shouldn't the control of my life allow me to be able to choose the means of its end? Should I be able to control how or, or if I'm vaccinated or not? Like bring it a little closer to home, some things that we are actually talking about and wrestling about. Are we willing to give up control? If you don't think control is a major issue of life, look at the way you respond when someone or something disrupts your plans. How do you respond? Control is something that we are constantly struggling with. And it also bleeds into our spiritual pilgrimage. Who we are as Christians comes down to a lot the issue of control. So today we're going to read out of Galatians. That was all the introduction. <laughs> Let's get on this. Galatians chapter 2. Um, I want you to know that the sermon notes today are in the Bible app. And I got to tell you, I've, in our um, app, the church's app, it's on our website, like it's anywhere that you want to look. Also, I don't know if you know that we broadcast not only on YouTube and Facebook, but we have a special online platform called atlantana.online.church that um, is a way that if you're watching online or those who are watching online can get there and you can interact with each other and you can talk to each other and um, it's a pretty cool platform. Galatians chapter 2 today, starting with verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. You, you understand that? I have, been I have given up control. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have given up control. I have been crucified with Christ Quick recap, spiritual formation, the definition, the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. God has called us to re-engage this year and spiritual formation is what's going to help us with that. All of life is spiritual formation. Either we are making choices that draw us closer to God or we are making choices that push us away from God. Today we're going to look at the next part of formation, the process of being conformed. See, when you look at that definition, the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others, it's a pretty concise definition, right? But there's so much there. So today, the process of being conformed. You know, the whole idea of spiritual formation really runs against the very core of our culture. We are a DIY culture. Have you ever, cut, like, do it yourself? We want to do everything ourselves. I may not know a single thing about drywall, but somebody gets a hole in the wall and I'm going to fix it, you know? And I look on YouTube and it says, take a little piece of paper and put the paper in the hole and then get some, and I think I'm an expert on this. We're DIY, like we control it. We want to control it. It's just crazy. It's what we do. We're a culture that views the world as an object 
out there to be grasped and controlled for our better end. That's our culture. And I've mentioned it a couple of times. Just imagine when you meet somebody. It's like you size each other up. Who are they? What do they do? How can they help me? And don't get offended because they're doing the same thing to you. Who is this person? What do they do? And how can they help me? Our role in life is to use these objects to impose our will on the world. That's, that's how, we, how we go. Uh, author, the author Parker Palmer wrote this. We are well-educated people who have been schooled in a way of knowing that treats the world as an object to be dissected and manipulated. A way of knowing that gives us power over the world. We have used our knowledge to rearrange the world, to satisfy our drive for power, distorting and deranging life rather than loving it for the gift it is. We have to be in the driver's seat. We control everything. It's what we do. Being conformed goes totally and radically against the perspective of our culture. Now, I, I just, uh, as we're talking about this, I, I want you to understand this is not a, a condemnation thing. This is a God wants us to be better. So how do, and I think everybody here is like, you know, I see that I like to control things in my life. How is it that I can release control to God? That's where we're going. It's been said that we're all like graspers. I heard this. We're all like graspers who have totally avoided being grasped by God. We're trying to grab a hold of the things, but we're constantly not allowing God to grab us. Like information, we seek to possess information. Whether it's some form of knowledge or some technique that we can use or whatever. We want to possess information and apply it to our lives. If you dig a little deeper, the dimension, um, this deeper dimension is the need to control. It becomes a core. It's, it's essential to the meaning of life. Something within us values control. All right, I think you get it. Let's move on. Next point. Jesus' temptation and ours. All right, so Jesus' first temptation. If we back up a little bit to the baptism of Jesus, you guys remember this. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, uh, I'm not going to read it, but you remember that after Jesus came out of the water, what happened? A, a dove came out of the sky. Remember that? And a voice from heaven came down and said, This is my beloved Son, whom I loved and am well pleased. It was a startling moment. Right after this confirmation of Jesus' call, all right, so we, we can see his call and his being empowered by the Spirit. He is uh, empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit is put onto Jesus. He comes down as a dove, and the Spirit empowers Jesus. And then God says, this is my son. He's, I love him. I'm pleased with him. This is the call of Jesus. So imagine this. Right after the confirmation of Jesus' call and being empowered by the Spirit, we read this in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Have you ever stopped to think about what that means? The Spirit led him 
into the wilderness. To, the Spirit led him to be tempted? So from Jesus' experience, we learn that the most crucial temptations attach themselves to the call and empowerment of God that defines our existence. That's a weighty statement. Let me read that again. The most critical temptations attach themselves to the call and empowerment of God that defines our existence. Because what happened right after that? So he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's been called by God. Things are great. And then the Holy Spirit leads him off. And what does the devil tempt him with? He says, if you are the son of God, if this is your call, if you are the son of God, speak that these stones may become bread. Right after he was called and empowered, the devil hits him right where he's called and empowered. If you're the son of, if this is your call, then use that empowerment and turn these stones into bread. We tend to evaluate our own meaning, our own value, our own purpose, not by the quality of our being, but by what we do and how effectively we do it. And I want everybody to hear that because if the devil can get you anywhere, he's going to get you at identity. So we evaluate everything in our lives by what we do and how well we do it. And we identify with that. Oh, I do this well. This is what I do and this is how well I do it. Have you ever noticed when you engage somebody in conversation, the, the question is eventually asked, so what do you do? What do you do? Uh, Sarisa and I were on a, a cruise, which I don't know if I told you my birthday's coming up and I love cruises, so just kidding. I do love a cruise. Please don't buy me one. That was a joke. Uh, Sarisa, I, I love a cruise. I, way more than Sarisa. She could take it or leave it, but like just put me on a boat. I don't have to make any decisions. Like my email doesn't work. <laughs> it's a great place to be. And we were on this, and if you've ever been on one, the, they sit you at a, uh, a table with other people, randoms you don't know. And so we're, we're sitting at the table of random people, and just full transparency, we try to not start our conversations with, hey, what you doing? I'm a pastor. Like, I will try to say anything, because it always changes, and I'll get to that in a minute. It always changes everything. But we, we made it through, like, three days and they didn't ask what we did. And I was, I was amazed because everybody else at the table had talked about what they did and where they lived and what was going on. And, and we just rejoiced with them and celebrated with them. And, oh, that's great, you guys. We, we love that. And we love where you're from. And we love that job. And we love. And we were trying to not, to not tell people because when someone asks a question to me, what do you do? I always hesitate. Because when I, can when I tell them, I can see their response they don't, I don't have to hear it. I can see their response. Their body language changes. And, and they put me in a different category. Because before they knew what I did, I was normal. <laughs> After they knew what I did, all of a sudden, either I'm a weirdo or I'm holy. You know, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm really neither one of those. I'm a pretty normal guy who loves Jesus. 
right? That's, that's what I am. And, but when I tell them I'm categorized, I'm labeled, and I'm put away into their system, their arrangement of belief, simply by what I do. And you guys all have experienced the same thing. You know, they've done studies. They found that when a person retires, which some of you are here, and, and you could maybe attest to this, they wrestle with the reality that what has given their life meaning to this point is no longer there. Whatever their job was, whatever it was that they did, when you retire, it's not there. And so studies show that re retired people really wrestle with what the, some of you are like, man, I can't wait to retire. Like, I, I could care less about this job. It's just when it's over, it's over. And that's good because that's the way we should live. We see this in the church. I'll just be honest. We have to be careful not to let the church define who we are. What we do in the church isn't who we are to Christ. If we're a, a and, and I love all of our Sunday school teachers and our life, our home group leaders, and, and I love the people who count the money and the greeters and the, like, all the ministries are great and they make us, Paul says, it's one body in many parts. Like, they make us who we are. They make the church who it is, I mean. But it does not define who you are. What you do is not who you are. Being and doing are uh, <laughs> integrally, integrally, integ how do you say that word? I'll just say it like this. Being and doing are integrated. <laughs> right? We have to make sure that we're getting it right. Our doing, now this is tweetable. Our doing flows out of our being. All right? Wrap your mind around that. Our doing flows out of our being. Spiritual formation is being conformed. The problem with being conformed is we have a tendency to think that if we do the right things, we will be the right kind of Christians. In other words, we have it backwards. Our doing brings about our being. Is the way we kind of function. But really, out of our being, flow, I mean, out of our, yeah, out of who we are, flows our doing. That's the way God created it. There's something to be said about our doing I don't want to get away from doing because we have to do. It's not like we say, oh, good, I do nothing. I will sit at home and then all of a sudden by osmosis, the Holy Spirit, will, that's not what happens. We're going to talk about that when we get into the idea of um, the spiritual disciplines. Oh, there's some great spiritual disciplines like prayer and meditation and, and Bible study and, and worship. And like there's some great disciplines that need to be practiced. But that doing does not make us who we are. That doing should flow out of who we are. We have to realize that it is God, not us, who is the source of transformation. You cannot transform yourself. Robert Mulholland wrote, Our relationship with God, not our doing, is the source of our being. Our relationship with God is the source of our being. It should be. And I think that's the human struggle because our being kind of starts to come about by our doing. But really, our being should be sourced by the Holy Spirit. So there's this great reversal that's happening in the life of a Christian. 
this great reversal. Being conformed really goes against everything we know or have been taught in our culture. It goes against our very mode of, of doing life. Being conformed. Spiritual formation really is the great reversal. It is an entirely different way of thinking. It's, we had a series not long ago called the Upside Down Kingdom. Everything is kind of a little bit backwards. The more we do, the less we're like Jesus, if that makes any sense. Like we have to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And out of that comes a relationship and a change. So if we lose ourselves in this context, we give up the deep-seated orientation, DIY spiritual formation. If we lose ourselves, which is where we started today, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives within me. That's, that was what Paul said. In fact, Paul believed it so strongly, and I love this, and I love that Paul was bold enough to say this, because uh, I've heard people say, and a long time ago I used to say, I'm just human, I'm going to mess up, don't follow me. But Paul doesn't say that. He says, hey, everybody, I'm following Jesus, so follow me. <laughs> like, I'm chasing Jesus. I'm pursuing that guy with everything that I've got. I want to be like him. I want him to indwell within me. I want to be just like him. And if you want to be like him, then follow me. Because here we go. Spiritual formation is an open-ended yieldedness, which is a relinquishing of self-generated uh, self ideas of growth. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We give him control. We allow him to move in our life. So it is a process that happens over time of being conformed. And that's the word, being conformed. He's doing it in us. And this is the work of sanctification. This is the word, work of being filled with the Spirit. We believe that it happens all at once. We give our lives entirely to him. Holy Spirit, I, I give control. I yield to you. And then it's over the rest of your life that you'll be pursuing that. I got to tell you, as, as long as I've been following Jesus, there's still today at the altar. He's like, hey, guy, like there's a thing that you've been holding on to and I want it. Will you just let me have it? Quit controlling this thing. It's mine. And then you don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, okay. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Thank you, Jesus. Because I give it over. I yield to him. And then I'm like, whew, there we go. I've arrived. I made it. But you know what's going to happen is like a, a, a week from now, he's going to say, hey, there's a thing. <laughs> like you've been struggling with this thing. If you'll just give it to me. <laughs> and that's the relationship that I love that we have with the Holy Spirit. Because he doesn't require everything all at once, but as long as I'm in relationship with him, he draws me into this deeper love with him over time. And it's, it's amazing. It's like a 23-year marriage that I love my wife today more than I did 23 years ago, which I didn't think was possible when we got married. I was like, you mean I can marry my best friend and live with her? <laughs> like, that's awesome. 
And now here I am, 23 years later, and I'm like, man, baby, I love you more than I ever did. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing to me. I'm like, I have an encounter like Michael did and a healing encounter and like, man, this is amazing. Look what you did. This is the best. We're going to live here forever. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's awesome and we're celebrating that. But you know what? We've got more. And that's okay because he's with me. It reminds me, I don't know if it's an old chorus or him. He walks with me and he talks with me. Right? He just... I don't know if you guys feel like I do or if you're excited like I am. At, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals with this idea. And we're going to close with communion here in just a moment. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals with this idea of being and doing in one of the most frightening statements in all the New Testament. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. People will say to Jesus, Lord, didn't we do things in your name? Didn't we cast demons out? Didn't people get healed? It doesn't say that Jesus says, no, you didn't do that. How does Jesus respond? Maybe they did that. Jesus says, I never knew you. He doesn't argue with them. He just says, I never knew you. Like maybe you were doing those things and maybe you were calling my name, but I didn't know you. We didn't have this relationship. You were too busy doing and not spending enough time being. So how, as followers of Christ, can we invest more in our being than our doing? It's a crisis of identity. And if you pay attention to the world, identity has hit us everywhere. You don't like the way you were born, then just change it. You got control of that. You don't like who you're married to, then just change it. You got control of that. Like we control, we want to control everything. But if we would just relinquish control to God, the scripture teaches that he wants more for us than even we want for ourselves. Like he wants the best. The thing is, is he knows what's best. My eight-year-old son wanted a knife. <laughs> I did not give that boy a knife <laughs> at eight years old. At nine years old, he took my knife and was going to sharpen it. <laughs> and today, at 10 years old, he's got a big old scar on his thumb. It's not because I didn't want him to have the joys of owning a knife. It was because I knew better. I knew exactly what he was going to do with that knife, 100%, because I was eight once upon a time. Right? I knew what was going to happen. Like, if I, if I was a betting man and somebody wanted to, I could have made some money. Oh, do you think God looks down at us and says the same thing? <laughs> like, I know what you want, but come on. Man, that's like 10 steps. Let's just, let's, come on, a little bit at a time. Let me walk with you and let me talk with you and let me show you all the ways. Because if we don't allow him to work this process in us, then one day we're going to be in front of him and he's going to say, depart from me because I didn't know you. Spiritual formation is not something we do to ourselves, but something we allow God to do in us. 
one day at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time, until eventually we get to meet him face to face.